how do we see God? How do we see God when we've done something wrong? Do we run to him and confess, or do we uh, run away? You know, you can feel really loved by God, but what about when you steal some of your kids' candy? <laughs> or go through a red light? Or didn't, wasn't completely honest on your tax form? You know, do we run to God and repent and put it right? I, I was... Uh, doing some inner healing with the Lord the other day. And I was remembering a time. Now, when I was little, my mom used to spank me. No big deal. When I got older, she didn't. But there was one occasion, and I needed inner healing for it because it was quite traumatic for me because I can't remember at all what it was I did wrong. haven't a clue, and that's just the way it was. All I remember was my mom attacked me with her slipper. And uh, after she attacked me, I had these big red welts on my arm. And after I'd stopped crying, I went back to my mom and, and I said, look, look what you did to me. And she took off her slipper and came at me again. <laughs> Anyway, I, I forgave my mom and I received healing from the Lord. And then the Lord said to me, why did you go back to your mom? Why did you go back to her? And I thought about it for a while. And it's easy, really. The reason I went back to her was because I knew she loved me. I knew she loved me. I had obviously done something wrong and she got upset. And, uh, but I knew she loved me so I could go back to her. And, and this is what we need to be like with the Lord. We need to know that he loves us, that we can always go to him. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, you know the story. Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to bring us into relationship with the Father. He went to the cross to set us free from guilt and shame, to heal us inside and out. And his friends, you know, he had these friends, and he'd been walking with them for three years. They had seen miracles. They had seen people raised from the dead. They had seen demons cast out. They had seen one thing after another, and Jesus had talked to them, had ministered to them, he'd loved them, and then he's going to the cross, and they run away. You know, even Peter, who said, no, I'll never forsake you, denied Jesus three times. And Jesus never said, oh, good grief, these guys, they are so not worth it which is probably what I would have said. But he didn't say that. He said, they're worth it. I'm going through with it. And he says the same to us. We are worth it. No matter what we've done, we are worth it. He went to the cross. You know, he'd do it again if he had to. He doesn't have to, but he would because he loves us so much. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know those times when you're in worship, and oh, you sense God's love, and it's wonderful, and you're excited. 
Jesus is the same tomorrow when things are going wrong. That's not a prophecy. It's not. not I didn't mean that. Graham Cook. I haven't uh, read much of Graham Cook, but I came across this one. What we see in the nature of God gives us confidence in our dealings with him. What we see in the nature of God gives us confidence in our dealings with him. And we, we need to understand, I love the Old Testament. I, I love, love, love the Old Testament and love, 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 love the New Testament. I love scripture. But Jesus came to show us what the Father is really like because we had mostly got it wrong and he came to show us. So when I say Jesus is the same, Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. God has always got a heart of love towards us. Numbers 23.19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God does not lie. God doesn't change his mind about you and about me. He loves us. He's always loved us. He always will love us. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. God's love does not depend on us. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? few more verses, 37 to 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing nothing can separate us from the love of God. That being said, ask any teacher, ask any musician, anyone who plays sports, any lawyer, performance is important. Performance is important. But we need to know that performance comes after God has done something, not before. Because we're loved by God, because we know that God loves every person, we pray. That's my introduction. Now I'm going to tell a story because I like stories. Now this is a true story. Got it off the internet. Checked it out, several different sources, so I am sure that this is accurate. I mean, true, true, actually happened. So there was this guy, his name was Roger Sims, and he was just discharged from the, the army in the States, and he was hitchhiking home. Still in uniform, but hitchhiking home, and he was just so excited. And of course, he remembered the day, May the 7th, He's not going to forget that day, discharged from the army, and he's hitchhiking. 
And then he sees this big, black, smooth Cadillac. He thinks, well, there's no way that car's going to stop. Brand new, looked wonderful. But he tried anyway. And to his amazement, the car stopped. So he runs, and he puts his uh, suitcase in the back and uh, gets in the car. And uh, the guy, really good-looking guy in a suit, obviously quite well-to-do, said, uh, you leaving the army? And he said, yes, yes. And he said, well, you're in luck if you're going to Chicago. And uh, this guy said, well, not quite Chicago, but I'm going in that direction. So he knew he was going to have a ride just about all the way home. And the guy he was speaking to was called Hanover. So he is um, riding in the car. And after he's been going for a while, Roger is a Christian. And Roger thinks to himself, I, I need to witness to this guy. And he's trying to get up courage. He wants to, to share the most important story. And he gets to the point where he knows he's about half an hour from where he's going to be dropped. So he uh, says a quick prayer and he starts witnessing. Tells him the salvation message and uh, makes very clear to him that he needs to repent and he needs to ask Jesus into his life. And, and, uh, and then suddenly the guy pulls the car over and he thought, whoops, I've blown it. He's throwing me out. But the guy puts his head down. He's weeping. And he asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. And Roger gets out a little bit later and he goes home and the guy Hanover goes home. Five years passes. Now Roger's married, he's got a son, he's got his own business. And he has to go to Chicago on business. So he searches through his uh, drawer of little paraphernalia. And he comes across the card for Hanover Enterprises. And he thinks, I'm going to look this guy up, see how he's doing in his walk with the Lord. And so he goes to Chicago, and he's found where Hanover Enterprises is. And he walks in and goes up to reception and said, uh, good morning, could I speak to uh, Mr. Hanover, please? And the receptionist said, well, sorry, no, you can't, but you can talk to his wife. And he said, okay. So he goes in, and there's this really nice-looking woman, dressed expensively, sitting there. And she said, um, how did you know my husband? And he said, he uh, gave me a ride when I was leaving the army. And she said, do you remember the day? And he said, oh, yeah, it was the day I was discharged, May the 7th. Remember it clearly. And so she said, well, did, did anything special happen? when you were driving with him? And, and he thought, you know, should I tell her? And he thought, oh, you know, nothing to lose. So he said, uh, actually, uh, I, shared, I shared with him about the Lord Jesus dying on the cross for his sins and that he needed to become a Christian. And, and he gave his heart to Jesus on that day. And his wife started crying and crying and, and, and weeping. And, and Roger said, where, where is your husband, Mrs. Hanover? 
And she said he died in a road accident just after he dropped you off. He never made it home. And then she said, I prayed for years and years and years that he would get saved. And I stopped serving the Lord that day because I thought he hadn't answered my prayers. For five years, I've been walking away from God because I thought God didn't answer my prayer. I love that story. You know, when I was in high school, I taught in a Catholic high school, and I had many students who would tell me, oh, I don't believe in God anymore. I prayed that my granddad would live and he died, or I prayed that my uncle would live and he died, and so many stories, the same thing over and over again. You know, and how many of us have walked away from God? I mean, maybe not completely, but just put a distance between ourselves and God because we didn't get the answer to prayer that we wanted. I know I have. And as I was preparing this, and this is why I needed a long time to prepare this, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my story. I am a very logical person. Here's some of my math tests I teach at Conestoga. I love maths because it's so logical and makes so much sense. Don't respond to that. And I had a son. And Nathan was not logical. He was, um, well, the opposite of logical. And he had a lot of problems. And I had the answers to all his problems. You just need to do this, this, and this. And, and believe it or not, my brilliant answers were a waste of time. Nothing worked. And so I learned to pray. And I often used to say, my son taught me how to pray because I did not have the answers for his needs. And I need to say, I saw some incredible answers to prayer for Nathan. Uh, I know he was the kind of child, if he'd been in a school where there were 25 to 30 kids in the class, he would have been lost. He would have been forgotten. He wouldn't have learned anything. He wouldn't have done anything. But because we were in YWAM, he'd be in a class of two people sometimes. He did really well in his education, considering what he was struggling with. And I know God answered my prayers, some of them. And, and because of that, you know, I got really good at praying. I got a, a reputation in YWAM. I taught at King's Kids. I taught in seminars on intercession. And I was known for that's what I taught on, and, and, and it was great. And then Nathan drowned. And the first thing I said to God, why weren't my prayers enough? Why weren't they enough? I mean, that's... And I, I, didn't, I didn't have the answer. I know uh, Bill Johnson, uh, I listen to him a lot now. I'm glad I didn't then, I have to be honest. But he said, if, if our prayers aren't answered the way we want them to, the fault is ours, not God's. And... Uh, and I understand that now. I didn't understand that then. It was really difficult for me. And so as I came to prepare this teaching, I, I was asking again, you know, why weren't my prayers enough? 
And this is all the Lord said to me. Mary, your prayers were enough to put Nathan in my arms. I wanted more understanding. I'd love more understanding. But uh, I haven't got any. But it helps. I just felt the Lord saying, Mary, you've got to move forward. You've got to move forward. So, and I, I need to say, you know, I have had some incredible answers to prayer. My youngest daughter, Hannah, she had, and uh, Mike isn't here this morning, so I can't tell you the right word. She had a blood clot and a brain bleed at the same time. She was in emergency surgery. We went to Winnipeg. I prayed and prayed and prayed for her. And eventually, uh, we were in Winnipeg. We brought her home. And uh, she was to go to Hamilton, because that's where the, the best brain surgeons are in this area. And we got this call saying uh, she's not going to see uh, the person she gonna, was going to see. The, the head guy wants to see her. And we thought, oh no, what's wrong now? Why does he want to see her? Well, the reason he wanted to see her is because every person that he had known who had the same as Hannah had had died. Every last, I mean, it wasn't a huge number, but every last one of them died and he wanted to meet someone who had survived. So it, it was a positive thing. I, I was in uh, Amsterdam with YWAM. I remember a meeting. I remember who was speaking everything, but I remember uh, the leader saying, how many people here are having a regular time with the Lord? I think there were about 120 people and seven of us, seven of us said, yes, we're having a regular time with the Lord. It's like, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? And, and, you know, let's be honest, often we don't pray because we don't believe God's going to answer. We really don't believe it's, it's worth it. Uh, and I have to admit, you know, sometimes <coughs> for me, it, it feels like hit and miss. I work at Conestoga, and sometimes I'm late and I'm going, and I'm saying, Lord, I really need a parking place just there, and I get a parking place just there. And then the other day I was going, and I was half an hour early, and there was a train, so I waited and I waited, and I said, Lord, I really need to go. I really need to go. I kid you not, it was 50 minutes. I did not think it was possible. I arrived late. I ran into my class. My students were waiting. Fortunately, they were waiting, and it really didn't make too much difference. And, you know, another time, my daughter was pregnant with triplets. You may have seen some of them here occasionally. She was pregnant with triplets, and then while she was pregnant, one of them wasn't growing. The prognosis was very dark. In fact, her doctors were saying, you need to abort this third baby. He's not growing, and he is going to affect the other two. You need to abort him. And she was under pressure, and I said to Abigail, I am going to pray that that baby grows. And, and she was hearing from the doctors. I wasn't, so it was easier. And she said, Mom, you pray how you want. Of course, I always pray how I want. <laughs> and uh, so, so I was praying and praying and praying. And, and one time, 
I was driving to Guelph, I was on the 401, and the Spirit came on me, and you know when the Spirit comes on you, and I just commanded that baby to grow, and I just spoke out with such authority, it was fine, it was in 401, no one could hear me, and, and I was just full of authority, and I knew that God had heard me. And like I said, you may have seen the triplets, the next time uh, Abigail went in, he'd grown. He had grown. And I was, you know, you know what happens when you know that God's used you and you're effective in your prayer life? And we went, Mike and I went to see some friends of ours, his name, Brian, and he was dying of cancer. And I told him this story and he said, oh, great, pray for me. And I prayed for him with all the faith I could muster. And he died. And, you know, I, I love hearing stories out of Bethel. They are so exciting. There's one that I loved, you know, because you can say, oh, I had a bad back and it's healed and it's, yeah, that's right. And I believe you're right, but there's nothing. There was one where a guy had a plate in his back and he was healed and his wife was putting cream on and it's like, the plate's gone, the plate's gone. You can't fake that. Just miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet, a couple of years ago, Bill Johnson was really, really sick. And I heard on a podcast, Chris Vallotton saying not so long ago, that for now, he is lactose intolerant. And he goes and gets prayer for healing all the time. And I thought, well, I'm so glad that these guys didn't say, oh, God, you're not answering my prayers. I'm not going to pray anymore. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So how do we read that? I know, I first I'd read that, and I'd think, ask, right? Can you pass the potatoes, please? You know, that's asking. When I ask someone to pass the potatoes, they pass them, I get them. In the Passion, didn't like it the first time I read it, but this is what it says in the Passion. Ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For every persistent one will get what he asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. You know, don't you love that word, persistent? This is what it means. Continually, firmly, or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Our culture, we are really not very good at waiting. We really are not. Instant potatoes, instant soup, instant porridge. You know, when, when I was a kid, if my parents needed anything, guess what they did? They saved up. They put money aside. And they wouldn't buy anything, except for the house, of course. <clears throat> they wouldn't buy anything until they had the money. And yet today, it's, uh, it's the opposite. Buy now, pay later. That's our culture. 
I'm going to read again from the Passion. I, I type it out so that I'm not fiddling around with my Bible, wasting time so that I can... Oh, I can't even see the clock. That's good. One day Jesus taught the apostles, this is from Luke 18, to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. He shared with them this illustration. In a certain town there was a civil judge, a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And there was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice and protect me against my oppressor. He ignored her pleas for quite some time, but she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I am tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and don't care about the opinions of others, I'll just get her off my back by answering her claims for justice and I'll rule in her favor. Then she'll leave me alone. The Lord continued, did you hear what the ungodly judge said? That he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow was with the judge. Yet when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people? And I, I love that story. I often think... Um, a single mom in Chicago, and she's renting an apartment, and part of the agreement for the apartment is heating. And the heating breaks down. So she goes to her, the guy she rented from, and said, you've got to, it's in the agreement, you've got to give it to me, and he laughs at her. So she goes and takes him to court, civil court, and the judge doesn't care. But she does it again and again and again until eventually the judge gives in. And I've always read this and I've thought to myself, well, that's a silly story because God isn't like that. But the whole story, it's a parable of contrasts. We see very easily God's not like that judge. What I had missed for a long time, we are not like that widow. We are not like that widow. In Jesus' time, I mean, it's really hard to be a single mom now, but nothing compares to what it was like in Jesus' time. Often it would meant that uh, they'd have to beg. They had no rights. They had no pension. They had nothing. And... Uh, we're not like that. This is a parable of contrasts. We are children of our heavenly king. We have the legal right to come right into God's presence. Ephesians 3.12, in him and through him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You know, that Jesus isn't saying, if you keep nagging God, you'll get what you want. 
He says, you can come freely. Please come freely. Come and be with me. You know, how much do you like if you're a parent and the kid thinks, if I say please enough, so please, 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 please. How many give in to that? I wouldn't give in to that. I would send the kid to their room. And... But if the kid instead comes and enjoys being with you and you have a good relationship and, uh, and the child lets you know what it is that they want, That's what the Father wants. The Father wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. There's a couple of other scriptures. And in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream. And it really bothered him, this dream. So he calls for the wise men, and he tells them to interpret it. But he doesn't tell them what the dream is. And... Uh, Instead, he says he's, he's going to kill them all off. Daniel 2.5, the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I firmly decided. If you don't tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Great. And uh, they're just terrified because they don't know what the dream is. So Daniel rushes into the king. And I never noticed it before, but what is the first thing he asked for? Time. He didn't rush in and say, oh, I've got a hotline to guard. Just hang on a minute. Here it is. Here's the dream. He says, please give me time. Give me time. Daniel went to the king and asked for time so he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. He asked for time. Then he asked his friends to pray. Get this picture. This is what we need to do when things are going wrong. Spend time in prayer. And then in the middle of the night... God gave Daniel a vision. And this was probably several hours of prayer. It didn't come straight away. It didn't come straight away. And often we start, we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we don't see an answer, and we give up. Reminds me of this story. At about four in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, a ghost! Then Jesus said, be brave and don't be afraid, I'm here. Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk towards Jesus. When he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? That's what I'm hearing in this, in this message. This is, this is God speaking to me. Why would you let doubt win? Why would you give up in what you're praying for? You know, I, I've done it. I pray and pray and pray, and I don't see the answer, and I give up. And then I repent and go back and do it again.
There's, there's one last scripture. I, I, I have to share this one because I, I really like it. This is in Acts chapter 12. And uh, what's his face? James. James, the brother of John, had been uh, put to death, took the church by surprise. They didn't see it coming. Now they had Peter, and he was in jail. And what does the church do? They pray. They get together and pray. 12.5, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Earnestly praying to God. And Peter's sleeping in prison, and an angel comes and uh, brings him out. And he's a bit confused at first, but then he realizes that this is for real. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. People knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was him, they said, it must be his angel. Okay, these were guys who had walked with Jesus. These were guys who had seen the dead raised. They had seen people healed. They had seen demons cast out. They had prayed to God, and they didn't believe it when God answered them. And I thought, well, I am in good company. And it, it encourages me. You know, it so encourages me. I, sometimes I want to pray for something, and I think I don't have faith for it. Okay, well, I'm going to worship the Lord for 10 minutes, and then I'm going to pray for it. Um, there is so much that God wants to give us. God has so arranged that he is going to work through our prayers. He wants us to participate with him. Now, here's me. I am a teacher. I am ever practical. So this is what I want you to do in response to what I'm sharing. If you have a regular quiet time, 10 minutes every day, make it 15. If you, have, if you don't have a regular quiet time, start at five minutes. Put the timer on. I, I do it sometimes when I'm doing it a session. I've got so much marking. I've got so much prep. I've got all this to do. No, I've got to spend time with God, and I've got to... So I'll put my timer on for 12 minutes because I can give 12 minutes, and, and I will do it different times of the day. So ever practical, I really want you to make a difference. God wants to work through you. You have connections that no one else has. There are people that God wants to touch because you know them. So whatever time you've got, increase it. Whatever time you spend with God, increase it. Spend 5, 10, 15 minutes. I am not saying take two hours. Some people may be great. But if, if you're not there, just increase. And I, I really want to share, if anyone, I talked a bit at the beginning about what Jesus has done for us and how he wants to have a love relationship with you. 
If there's anyone here this morning who has not given their life to the Lord, who's not given themselves to Jesus, he wants you. He wants to love on you. He wants to bless you. So if that's you, when I'm finished, the ministry team are going to be here. Come forward and someone will pray with you because you are so loved. Got nothing to do with what you've done or haven't done. You are so loved, so very loved. And for those of us that know the Lord and love the Lord, increase, increase. Give him more, five minutes more a day. Amen.